The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Tishak Michal Martin has said the country is to be hit by a frightening wave of delayed cancer diagnoses next year as the knock-on impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic rumble on. With us is Sharon Greaves and Sharon is one of those where the chance of a prompt cancer diagnosis may have slipped through the cracks during the pandemic. Good afternoon, Sharon. Hi, Anton. How are you? Listen, bear with me. If if I ask anything overly intrusive, um, just uh, tell me. Your own case, you came to be uh, eligible for breast screening during effectively the peak of COVID. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. I had registered with Breast Check in 2019. And I would have been due to be called around uh, just after we went into lockdown. And I was with my doctor in July 2020 with uh, for annual checks, bloods, cholesterol and all of that. And she had asked me uh, about the mammogram. She had known on record for me. And I told her I had registered with breast check and I was waiting to be called. And she told me that breast check was suspended because of COVID. And at that point, um, you had been waiting how long since registration? Uh, so I'd been waiting 14 months at that stage. And then you discovered that it was waiting in vain because you could be another year or more, I assume, before breast check could be up and running. That's correct. And in fact, I was called for breast check in February this year. So it would have been, yeah, two years in total. So what does your GP say? Yeah. So my GP said um, because it, the breast check was suspended, if I could source one privately, I would have all my health checks up to date. And um, so I went ahead and did that and just as a tick box. And um, Because I at, at that stage it, you had no suspicion, Sharon, that anything was amiss? No, I had no symptoms, no signs, no nothing. It was just a tick box to keep everything in order. Um, so that the following year then we could start the checks again you know so if there was anything changing then I could be sent on for tests or checks or whatever but at that that stage no I had nothing in fact I was the opposite of symptomatic Um, so I went ahead and organised the mammogram as a tick box in fact I asked some of my friends who had a mammogram how long would it take because I would have to take some time off work and they said oh it'll take a few minutes and that's what I did, and I had an appointment for the Tuesday after the bank holiday in August 2020. And do you mind me asking, and to go privately, should, how much does it cost, or did it cost you? Um, it, at that time, it cost me €270. Euros. I don't know what it is now, but it was €270. Euros. So it's not cheap? It is not cheap. No, it certainly isn't. Um, no, but thankfully and luckily, I had the resources at that time. So um, you went for the, you went for the mammogram, and how long is the wait before you hear anything after? Um, well, there was no waiting with me because they discovered a tumor that morning when I went for the mammogram. And how did they tell you? So they told me that something had uh, shown up on the mammogram, and that I would needed um, a biopsy and uh, ultrasounds and further scans, bloods, and an MRI. So I was sent for that almost immediately. I had the interview appointment on a Tuesday. I was back in the hospital on Thursday. I was back again the following Tuesday. And on the MRI, another tumour was discovered. So by the middle of February, or sorry, by the middle of August 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So you went from completely asymptomatic and ostensibly healthy 
to the discovery of, of two tumours and facing significant treatment in a period of days? It's exactly, yes, in a period of two weeks. Yeah, from the time that I had the mammogram, I had the diagnosis and there was an urgency in terms of the size of the tumours that I wasn't able to have treatment to shrink anything or, or you know, uh, any intervention except surgery, which subsequently was a full mastectomy and a reconstruction. And is it, by the way, how are you now? Um, I was, I'm fine, thank you. I was, uh, my final surgery um, was the day before Christmas Eve last year, December 21, uh, which was when I was uh, diagnosed as cancer-free then. So, yeah. It was a 16-month, 16-month, very long, 16-month journey. Well, I'm very very glad that it it is over and that it is over in the manner in which it's over. But go back for a bit then. You ended up having Mm -hmm. to have a full mastectomy and a a reconstruction. Is it your Mm -hmm. belief that had you been able to access a screening earlier during that 14-month delay that you went through, is it your belief that you might have had to have a less drastic course of medical intervention? Absolutely. Absolutely. If I had been screened when I was due to be screened, I would not have needed uh, the amount of intervention I had in the end. I would not have needed the amount of surgery um, that I did have and subsequent surgeries and extremely bad reaction to the treatment because I was so weak from all the surgeries. Um, But absolutely, I would have had an easier journey, shall we say. Um, And certainly... By the time they did get around to me in February this year, I would have been at either a very advanced stage where medical intervention would not have worked or the letter would have went with back to breath tech with deceased written cartilage. So it's your belief that had you not gone for that private um, mammogram, mammogram, the likelihood is yes. that you would have died of the cancer rather than survived it? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. As... Um, because when I had the diagnosis in August 2020, because of the size of the tumours, had they been left to grow as they, as, um, without any intervention, I absolutely would have, have passed away by now. Yes, absolutely. But the remarkable luck, given that, I mean, obviously the remarkable bad luck that you found yourself in the position that you were in, that the checks were not available, but the remarkable luck that you decided to get the private screening when you had no symptoms, when it was effectively just best practice to discover that your life may have hinged on that decision. Yes, I know. It was incredible luck and incredibly shopping. It's shocking, but incredible luck as well. But that's why screening works. You know, if you're screened regularly, um, even if you're not symptomatic, which I was the total opposite of, I was very fit, very healthy, enjoying my life, um, just marking this off as something else. Uh, you know, but had I been screened when I should have been, it would have been much smaller. And again, if people go to regular screenings or, or regular screenings are provided, these things are caught very early. Well, that's the one thing that I wanted to ask in conclusion. Given, as you say, you had multiple surgeries, you had difficult medical mm. reaction to those surgeries, mm. you ended up with the, the full mastectomy, which mightn't have been necessary if you'd been screened earlier. Yes. yes. Do, you, do you hold anybody culpable for that? Do you resent anybody for that? Or was it? do you just say that's a function of the pandemic? Uh, I do think that the definition of essential services should have been looked at. Um, you know, you could get a point 
<laughs> during the pandemic, but you couldn't get screened for cancer, you know. So I do think, um, and I know with the pandemic, nobody ever thought it was going to last as long as it did, but I certainly think that the review, um, uh, it should have been reviewed much earlier to reinstate cancer screening um, and to keep that going, um, you know, during the pandemic, because the essential services, some some services that were deemed essential, we probably could have done without for a little while, you know. So, yeah, I feel very lucky and blessed, but I feel very, very sad and very, very worried for the people who are missed and are now presenting with advanced cancer. It must be an absolute nightmare. Well, Sharon, thank you very much. Thank you very much for taking the time for coming on. And as I say, I'm, I'm very glad that it ended the way that it ended and um, condolences that it took the journey that it took to get to the uh, positive end result. That was Sharon Greaves there telling us her uh, personal story of being what will be one of potentially many delayed diagnoses if what the Taoiseach is saying is correct because as a function of the, the lack of accessibility of lockdowns the likelihood is that across a series of cancers we are going to see more of the kind of stories at least that's the, the layperson's view but now uh, with us is Rachel Murrow who is Director of Advocacy at the Irish Cancer Society. Rachel, from your perspective, do you think that the kind of impact that Sharon suffered and that Sharon described is likely to be common? Hi, Anton. Yeah, I think that Sharon's experience um, has been echoed across the country um, since March 2020. In the earlier phases of, of the pandemic, people did change their health behaviours and we saw a big drop in the number of people who were going to see their GPs and who were then referred into cancer services. And what we're seeing now is people return to healthcare and they've been returning to healthcare over about the last 12 to 18 months. And that obviously puts a lot of pressure on hospital services. Um, and what we're unfortunately seeing at the moment and we're hearing from medical professionals as well is that some people are being de- um, diagnosed with advanced cancers. And that means that their treatment options are more limited. Um, and unfortunately, they may also have um, a, a lower quality of life because of that treatment that they endure. And when you say advanced cancers, does that mean it is likely that there are patients who will have had the cancer for six, nine, twelve, maybe even eighteen months, and had That's it developing because of COVID? Yes, yeah, sadly, people have been at home. Um, they've been managing their symptoms at home. They've been, I suppose, triaging their own symptoms and saying, you know, maybe this isn't serious enough to go and see my GP or I know what this is and I don't need to go and see a doctor. But the message from the Irish Cancer Society is that, you know, you really need to go to your doctor or you need to speak to the Irish Cancer Society and get yourself checked out because you're not best placed to determine whether you have an illness or what that illness might be. And we know that there's people, um, we, we carried out research recently which showed that one in five people um, thought that the cost of going to see their GP would actually be a barrier. Um, so whereas previously in the pandemic, um, maybe they decided that they weren't going to go, um, so they wouldn't put pressure on the health service. But now what they're saying to us is that it's actually the cost that is acting as a barrier to them. So our message still is please, please um, put your health first. And we know that it's a difficult time for people. Um, but please go and see your GP if you have symptoms and you're worried about them. You, you mentioned that the system being under pressure and people not wanting to put the system under pressure. 
the system hasn't been known for having an awful lot of breathing room. And if there are a number of people who didn't get treatment during COVID or didn't get diagnosis during COVID and who are now going to enter the system, do you expect to see a knock-on effect through 2023 in further delays as the system tries to process all of those people? Well, this is what the Taoiseach himself is warning his parliamentary party colleagues about and would certainly echo those concerns. I don't think that the system was well-placed to be able to deal with the pandemic. There wasn't capacity in the system. Um, the healthcare professionals, they, they hadn't been resourced, they hadn't been recruited or retained. So we were not in a good position coming into COVID. And then, of course, things shut down. We had the cyber attack as well. Um, so it's been hammer blow after hammer blow. And I think that, you know, the fact that people maybe have been staying at home um, and, and not been going to see the doctor with their symptoms that's compounded the, um, the the pressures in the health system because although they're returning to GPs now, um, obviously the, the the lack of staff and capacity um, in the health system that unfortunately directly impacts our ability to fight cancer. Um, so although we're encouraging people to go and see their GP, we're also calling on government to make sure that the cancer workforce is in place and um, that the there is dedicated infrastructure for cancer services. Um, and we do want a commitment that nobody um, should have to wait um, unnecessarily for, for timely access um, to tests and to treatment. Well, given that that, that access to, that, that the issue of speed of treatment was at the heart of the cervical cancer um, scandal and the, the 200 plus women that were impacted by that, do you have any concerns that there may be um, suggestions of culpability on the part of the government if people discover, well, hang on a minute, I've now waited a year and if I had been better able to access service or if I have a delay into 2023, I may find myself where I could have, I should have been able to access service. That is a responsibility of the HSE or of the government and they are culpable for my situation. I think the reality is that cancer services were prioritised but there was a lack of capacity going into the pandemic. So I suppose... Um, healthcare workers had to be borrowed from other services so that they could provide COVID services. And the cancer services were maintained um, for the most part. Um, but the, the problem was, I suppose, that only the most urgent um, cases um, w- were able to get um, timely access um, to the treatment and to the diagnostics. Um, and that meant that people who were classified as non-urgent um, had longer waits. So this was the case even before the first COVID case was ever diagnosed in, in Ireland, sadly. Um, and we saw the, um, the National Cancer Control Programme and the HSE unable to meet the targets that were set out in the National Cancer Strategy. So I suppose in terms of what can be done now, it's really important that people get into the health system, that that diagnosis pathway is really clear, it's really timely, and that nobody has to wait unnecessarily. But the reality is that we know there's very long radiology waiting times. We know there's very long colonoscopy waiting times. um, And these really, really need to be addressed. And the answer isn't necessarily just putting people into the the private system after they've wasted a period of time in the public system. We need to resource our public health care and and make sure that public patients are able to get care in the public system in the timeframes that um, they should. Rachel Murrah, Director of Advocacy at the Irish Cancer Society. Thank you very much. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.